Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tonight, Panorama focuses on the terrace gangs who follow one small second division club, Millwall, in London's Dockland. And that is involved, including in our film, language you don't usually hear on television. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Away we go, dear listeners. Move to Chesterfield. Here we are again. Back at the den. Move two for today's extravaganza is Jordan Barcher in goal. Sean Cummings, Sid Nelson, Mark Beavers and Tony Craig across the uh, the back line of defence that's looked very fragile since the start of the season midfield three of uh, Jack Powell in coming into the side today in place of Sean Williams Jimmy Addu and Ben Thompson that's a youthful looking midfield three and up front are three of Morrison on your din run Lee Gregory who some might consider lucky to retain his place I suppose I should have introduced the show shouldn't I I'll tell you what it's a bit of a fluster coming in after you've been selling a, a fanzine outside you come in all of a fluster just on three o'clock, just when you finish selling, and then you pick up your microphone to start doing a podcast. It's, it's all go, I can tell you that much, listeners. So, yes, you are listening to Achtung Millwall. My name, of course, is Nick Hart, and Millwall are on the attack as I'm broadcasting this message. Sean Cummings, unfortunately, tackled there. The number one Millwall podcast. But you knew that already, didn't you? By tuning in, you knew that. So here we are, facing Chesterfield. Williams, of course, out of today's side. What's happened to him, Williams? Well, I'll do a podcast. I don't keep up to date with the team news beforehand because I've got people talking to me constantly and I'm selling magazines, which is very nice, but it means you don't keep up to speed with what's going on in terms of who's in and who's out of the side. I'm guessing that Williams has been um, subjected to alien abduction and has possibly been transported via a black hole into a parallel dimension that was mentioned by Professor Stephen Hawking online in the week. I'm guessing that's where he's gone. It's good to see Jack Powell in the side, though. There he is on the ball at the moment. Looking elegant. Très élégant, as the French would say. Him with his floppy haircut and his kind of bohemian uh, goatee beard. An air of artist on the left bank. Him, Jack Powell, that's him. Early attack for Chesterfield, four minutes on the clock. Free header on goal. Cross and free header on goal, taken low by George Marcher. Yet another example of us being so fragile and prone to the most basic of crosses into the box. And anyone with any height has the advantage of us, dear listener. Another Chesterfield attack. They've got two men wide left from a long ball. Cummings gets a critical nod in there. Goes out for a throw-in. So in comes the Chesterfield corner near post. It's bobbling around the Mill box. It's cleared after a fashion. Mill can't clear the ball for Toffee at the moment. Uh, Chesterfield's still on the attack. Ten minutes. They're knocking the ball around down their right-hand side. The eight's going to get a cross in. Now it's blocked. Ball spending a lot of time down the middle end at the moment, listeners. Slight sense of more hanging on for Grim Death a little in defence again. Uh, Chesterfield coming down the right-hand side a lot at the moment. That's going to go for a corner. So here we go, 13th minute, another Chesterfield corner, fast side, deep, deep, deep again. Again, they win it in the air. Ball still bubbling around the middle penalty area. It's been almost relentless the last few minutes down the middle end. Ball comes back in across the middle penalty area. Glancing head of why that goes for a goal kick at last. Chesterfield, of course, managed by Dean Saunders, um, the old Welsh Aston Villa. Who did he play for? He played for a whole range of clubs. Derby, I think, didn't he? 
Um, so you kind of expect them to have some attacking nous. And so far, as we approach the, um, the 13th minute, 14th minute, it's been pretty much all Chesterfield. Here's the seven running at the middle defence now. He's got the ten to his left. Man wide on his left-hand side. He plays it out there. Chesterfield looked dangerous since the start of the game. And we are hanging on for grim death. Shot on goal. 1-0. In off the far post. From the far kind of side of the penalty area. Volley. Um, that kind of hit the deck. Raining off the, far, off the uh, post. 0-1. Another grim start. The very start we didn't want. Fuck me. In all honesty, we're talking about 16 minutes gone. It's been pretty much relentless Chesterfield pressure since the start of the game. And um, said a few minutes ago, we've got to be careful we don't concede a goal. And lo and behold, we have conceded said goal. A lot of talk in the week about um, the fear factor that Mill players are playing at this ground at the Den. Um, some might call it a, a monkey on the back. I think I should call it a gorilla on our back. The fucking size of the, of the monkey, it, it, it seems to be an immense task for mill players to liven themselves up and play the ball with speed, zip and, and verve at this ground, our home ground. I've actually never known anything quite like this in all of my mill career, which is a fucking long time. Here comes Fred, as I'm moaning, on the edge of the penalty area, twisting and turning, trying to find some space. Got two men on him. It gets balked, the, the free kick gets given the other way, here it comes. Now, I've not known a situation like this in all my time. I've been going since 1972, unbelievably. Um, and I can't remember a time where we feared to play at our own ground. It was traditionally, obviously, the opposition that feared to play at our ground. And don't get me wrong, there's always been sniping and digging out your own players at Mill ever since um, that very first game. But the, the actual weight of uh, playing in front of us, uh, in front of a home crowd, I can't remember. And I'd be interested to know if any other listeners out there of a, a certain vintage can recall anything quite like this. Over where the scoreboard used to be is the, the, the awning, the haggard old, washed out, weather-beaten awning that was hanging on the side of the, the west stand. It's been cut down to um, an oblong size now to cover the the gap where the, the scoreboard was and it produces this kind of ghostly images of um, Eamon Dunphy you see there, Barry Kitchener one of the stripe lines from the uh, mid-60s these great characters of the past looking down with a sconce I would think on what they're seeing at the moment can you look with a sconce? I'm not sure that's grammatically correct listeners I might have to edit that out halfway through the first half and Chesterfield have bossed it to be absolutely honest they're spraying the ball around they're playing the ball wide they're passing with precision and they're looking like Barcelona long cross going deep 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 that's Craig puts that out for a throw in and we've not really been in it a couple of balls forward where we might have released Fred we might have released Lee Gregory but apart from that Jack shit 23 minutes on the clock long ball forwards again Beavers wins a if you win a goal kick, he wins a goal kick. Let's settle for that. At the, at the moment, the current state of our football club and given where we are, where we're plummeting down the league table at the moment, we've just won a goal kick. Possession football by Chesterfield. This is a sentence you might not have ever expected to have heard in your life, but they are winning and retaining the ball very well in comparison with Millwall. He's a cross into the Mill box, cleared by Cummings. Here's Craig, clears it straight back to Chesterfield, number eight back on the attack 30 minutes gone this is what can we make of it so far you've not really been in this one to be honest with you um, we're deservedly a goal behind in my book anyway Chesterfield are passing the ball well they're spraying the ball about they're keeping it and when we do get the ball we're just looking at the punt forwards the long ball without any real effort to pass it when we do pass it or if we can pass it we're bringing in some fairly skillful young players but at the moment it's being punted forwards and the possession conceded, as will probably happen here. Yet again. Another long ball forwards from Jack Powell, trying to find Steve Morrison, heads it down, trying to find... Gregory's just a few yards off the uh, mark with these little knockdowns from Steve Morrison. Ben Thompson getting stuck in there. Some tackles flying in, the crowd reacts. That's the way you get a normal crowd on side, listeners. You get a few decent crunching tackles in. That'll always bring them into the mix. Might be a small crowd, but it's a Millwall crowd in here, listeners. Show them a flicker of hope, and they'll react to it, as you can hear behind me. 
38th minute, Chesterfield again playing the ball around. The few, last few minutes have seen a bit of Mill pressure. Um, but Chesterfield again spraying the ball around with Gay Abandon. Chesterfield on the break again, a 6 through inside the Mill penalty area. That's a brilliant stop by Jordan Archer. One on one. Got one two just outside the Mill penalty area. Breakdown in Mill play gave them the opportunity. It was a real, real chance for them to go two goals ahead there, but fantastic stop by Jordan Archer. 39 minutes gone. I actually blame the torrent of statistics available from the news at Den for our current plight listeners when we used to be in ignorance of how many goals per game and how many minutes since the first goal was scored and various statistical breakdowns that this, this site supplies us with. We seem to have a bit more spirit and fire about us. Now we seem to be way down under a torrent of stats. There's a shot from Jack Powell on the edge of the penalty area. Here's Gregory Ball across the box, cleared desperately by the 12. Yeah, I think they put the, the news at Den's put a buck on us with this presentational style they've got and the amount of statistical, statistical evidence for our decline. When, we, when we're in ignorance, we were happier. Ignorance is strength. Achtung, a much brighter start to the second half for Millwall. Five minutes into the second half, 50th minute of the game. Chesterfield will feel relieved to have survived that early period of uh, mill pressure. There's O'Brien. The, the introduction of O'Brien has been a real brighter spot since the start of the second half, listeners. As he was up at Scunthorpe, of course. Possession breaks down in midfield. Mill back on the attack, though. <clears throat> Some nice stuff there from Jack Powell. There's Jimmy Abdu. Plays it wide. He finds Fred over on the right-hand side. 52 minutes. Fred penalised. The angle of the Millwall crowd, as you can hear, listeners. Attackers crunching a little bit more solidly in defence now. That's good. So here goes Ben Thompson. He plays it wide. He finds Fred on your den over on the right-hand side. Takes his man. He's got two men in front of him. Chester clearly doubling up. And we'll see him as a danger man, clearly. 55 minutes gone. The first 10 minutes of the second half been much, much brighter by Millwall. Team that we're playing at home and in control of the game. Still uh, one goal down, of course, but we are looking like we at least know what we want to do with it. All breaks down midfield is, is Steve Morrison, dispossessed at the last moment by the Chesterfield defence. Their, their turn to start to hang on for grim death a little bit, listeners. We've got to make this pressure count, though. So far, we have yet to really create a direct chance. Is Aidan O'Brien down the right-hand side now. What can he do? He puts it across goals. Fred in the mix. Bobbling around. It's gone inches wide of the... Almost put him down net by the uh, two on-rushing Chesterfield defenders. That's going to go from Will Corner. 61 minutes. The line's looking a lot, lot more dangerous in this second half. Much more the kind of style of play that we were told about during the summertime. All flat in the first half. We've been alive in the second half. We must, must make it count, though, listeners. Must make it count. Mill moving the ball. Much more places. Fred giving offside again. Can only be a yard offside. Nicely worked pass, he moved down the left-hand side, almost released Fred in space, but given offside on the 63rd minute. We're doing that more regularly now. One must come off at some stage, listeners. One must come off at some stage. The law of averages says that one must come off at some point if we keep passing the ball well to feet, to players of skill down the left and the right-hand side. And that's what we're doing at the moment. It's good to see. But we're looking a lot brighter and a lot more dangerous, a lot more spirited in the second half. Why do we do this to ourselves? I don't know. You tell me, why do we do this to ourselves? Going, giving a flat as old pancake performance in the first half, coming out with more spirit and verve in the second and actually having half a chance with chasing a game when we should be controlling it from the very off like we are now. Crucial change at half-time being Aidan O'Brien, as it was up at Scunthorpe in last week's show. You heard it, you listened to it. Why do we persevere with Gregory at the moment? I don't know the answer to that one either. It has to change. Other aspects of the team have changed, in all fairness. To Harris, Gregory is the logical next conclusion because he looked flat as a flat, as a, a, a flat tire in that first half. Long ball forwards, he banks Blake and Sid going arm to arm. It's going to be a shot on goal. It's saved well by Jordan Archer. That was a real tussle between Banks, Ebanks, and Sid Nelson. Nelson, to his credit, was um, doing everything he could to physically prevent the stronger player going past him there. And he did a job, but great save there by Jordan Archer from the, sh the follow-up shot from the Chesterfield forward. Ben Thompson, here's Fred, and here's Cummings. 
on the right-hand side, down by the corner flag. Cummings gets a floating cross in. Underneath the crossbar, headed behind for a corner. Little pressure. Little corner from the right-hand side. The cold blow end. 69 minutes, the 70th minute is approaching, 20 minutes for Mill to get something out of this game. They deserve, they deserve something on the balance of the second half showing. They've still got to get the, uh, create an open chance. We have a lot of possession, a lot more intelligence about what we're doing with it, listeners, but no clear chance. Morrison Lee cuts in, Jimmy Addo, it falls wide right, uh, wide left, sorry. Ball into the box, it falls to Jimmy Addo, off the line by the goalkeeper! Point blank shot from Yaddo, it was deflected towards the goalkeeper who managed to get a palm on it off of the line. Real opportunity there, Mill's first real chance of the game now. 16 minutes left in the match. Powell going out of the game, Paris Cowdenhall coming into the game. Getting a good round of applause, Shaq Powell, he's done well today for me. Nice run by Fred. Coming down the left-hand side, he puts the ball in, finds Karen Hall. Goes spinning, no penalty. Couldn't tell you if it was or it wasn't from this distance, listeners. He went spinning maybe a touch theatrically. Referee's not forgiving those kinds of decisions today. Rebanks break. Good fight by Paris Karen Hall. On your Denmark from close range on the penalty area is edge wide. Hard chance, who's taken on the volley. Ball looping up on the path of him and as it caught the, uh, caught the floor, he's shot wide. 87 minutes and it's a mill free kick. Sid Nelson's going to take. Just a few inches inside the uh, mill half on the halfway line. Could be taken long, as you would expect. Beavers has gone forwards. Hunted forwards, it's long and left. Beavers having to run back towards it. He can't quite get any direction on it. Abdu does well, wins the ball. Is Thompson. Uh, Brian wins a little bit of space. He shoots, it's blocked. It comes to Paris Cowhall on the right hand side. He cuts inside. Inside again to O'Brien. It's been... Oh, off the line again. Fred just couldn't get any connection on it. And the goalkeeper takes the ball on the line. No power on that Fred shot. 88 minutes. Five minutes time allowed, listeners. Well. Seems a, a lot, but we'll take it. As long as we don't concede in that five minutes, of course, because here's Chesterfield on the attack. Chesterfield back on the attack in, more than the hint of offside about the 17 taking that ball there. He's got time to stand and turn. They're going to want to keep it down this end for as long as possible. But a precious one goal lead. Here's the 10. Chesterfield doing a nice job of keeping hold of the football here. Got to give them their credit. Mill can't get the ball back off Chesterfield in this, these last closing moments of the game here. We've not played these five minutes particularly shrewdly, listeners. We've um, they've had the ball. We can't get the ball off them. And I think this is going to drift out now to a 1-0 loss. Here comes to the 26 down the left-hand side. They get a goal here. Well, it's nearly all over anyways. It's 10. 2-0. Deflected in net by Sid Nelson. Um... Harsh on the Lions because we've looked a lot more spirited in the second half and on the balance of that second half display by the last couple of moments of the game, there it is, that's the end of the game. So uh, 0-0 Chesterfield 2. Um, on the balance of the second half, but I thought we deserved more out of the game. Why did we get ourselves into that shit in the first place? There's a question. Um, very flat, very mundane first half display. Much more spirit second half once the introduction of Aidan O'Brien came in. We look a lot pacier, a lot sharper up front. I can't see Lee Gregory starting next week at Paul Vale. If he does, it'll be um, questions will be asked in Parliament about that. As it is, yet another home defeat. The monkey continues to cling to our back. And you tell me why we can't win a game at home. I have not got a fucking clue. We're going to be right back after these messages with Mr. Charlie Mahoney. And a welcome return to the show for Charlie. All right, big welcome back on the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. To Charlie Mahoney. Welcome back, Charlie. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm fucking awful. How are you? Pretty much the same thing. <laughs> What a shower of shit that was yesterday. I, I, I'm actually struggling to make notes here that latch on to anything that might be positive um, from yesterday. Um, I don't know what you thought of it, but that first half was as dire as I, anything I've seen in many, 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 many years. It's, it's very difficult for me because I never want to be sort of too disrespectful to teams that come and play well, but yeah. the... The reality of it is that we've been outplayed at home by Chesterfield, and I just don't really think that's acceptable. It's not. I mean, I, I, you know, one of the notes I've made here is, and I, I, where I'm caught a little bit is, our, I mean, I've written the Chester, we've made Chesterfield look like the 1974 Dutch national side. Now you're a little, you're a little bit too young to know what quite what that means. That's the the Cruyff, the Neskins, the, the uh, you know the, the greats of, 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 of total football, and somehow we've contrived Charlie to make them look, you know, I'm an exaggeration, but we made them look good, mate. Yeah, I think uh, there was an element of organisation about Chesterfield that I wouldn't want to take away from them because, um, you know, first off, they they seemed to have a sussed. I mean, we didn't really know how to close them down. We uh, weren't sure whether to sit deep or actually push up IR. They, they didn't really give us many options and they didn't give us many outlets, but we've got to just find a way against sides of that calibre. And I'm not being disrespectful I'm just saying you know we've dropped down a level here and we've got a fairly experienced team albeit with a few kids in there and it, it there should just be more on show well I mean it's one of the things that I've picked up on um I've actually been quite surprised since we've dropped down to the third tier how good the opposition has been now I don't know whether that is that same point Charlie that we're poor and we're making them look good but I mean the only team I've seen I've seen a good, you know, we've played what five games now, and I've seen seen all of them actually. The only team that's um, conformed to what I call the third division stereotype was Shrewsbury away, and they they did look like a third division side playing a, the physical, you know, uh, pretty pretty one dimensional approach. And even they took the leaders against us up there. Yeah, that's true. I think the dynamic of football in general is changing now. I think we have these sort of stereotypes about divisions. Uh, they've got their certain nuances, but they're coming a bit outdated I mean pace and uh, possession technical ability and possession are becoming real real staples for any team now that's worth their salt and if we can't match that at any level then we are going to be seriously struggling well we are seriously struggling I think we we, we looked naive in that first half yesterday we, we were was it 30% 31% possession we had I know these statistics aren't the be all and end all of the game but you know you can't concede 70% of, of the football to the opposition at home in your, you know, in the first half of a game, and not expect to come away on the losing end of that. It's precisely what we had. I, I think, I think you're right, but I think the statistics yesterday were really quite telling. First half, um, as you say, the possession was with them, and it, it showed at half time. Even in the second half, I think with our increase of possession, um, that's where statistics start to become irrelevant. Because even though we dominated, my my question is, where were the chances? There were no clear-cut chances. I mean, the first half was 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 dishwater dull. I mean, I, I think I, I posted on Twitter that, that expression afterwards. It was one that came to my head. <coughs> we looked awful. Second half, um, we introduced uh, Aidan O'Brien for Lee Gregory, didn't we, at half-time? And he did make a difference. He did bring a touch more pace and, and energy and quality up front. Um, whereas Gregory just looked totally anonymous. We, we were. It's almost like we were playing with 10 men 
because Lee Gregory wasn't part of the action yesterday. But Aiden did make a difference, I felt, in that second half. Absolutely. And I think um, Morrison's got a reputation for being able to work the channels, and he does do that effectively. But I think we really benefited from him moving into the centre yesterday because it allowed Fred and O'Brien to drop a little bit deeper. And it gave us a lot of width that we lacked in the first half. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. I mean, one of the things that did strike me in that, in that you know, dire first half, but when we when we got away from the lumping it Route 1 style, Charlie, uh, basically at Steve Morrison, which was effectively a, a quick way to give the ball back to a team that could clearly hold it and pass it quite well by, by our standards... Once we kept it down ourselves, we we actually we showed a little bit more. Even in the first half, we did get one or two moves going, where we we passed it around and tried to exploit the space down the sides. No, definitely, it seemed a bit perverse to me that we were trying a long ball in the first half because of the way that we'd set up. I mean, I know I'm a huge fan of Jimmy, but <clears throat> excuse me, we know that his his distribution is not the best, whereas. Powell and Thompson seem to have something of a reputation for being able to pass the ball. So when we're just bypassing that and trying to roof it up to Morrison, it seems a little bit ridiculous to me. Yeah, and this this brings us probably to the most fundamental hard question out of yesterday's um, showing, and that is the the tactical naivety of, of of the management. I mean, we, you know, I've, another note I've written to myself here is if 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 it wasn't Neil Harris in charge of that team yesterday and the performances we've seen so far, let's throw a name like Nigel Spackman into it or uh, David Tuttle or even even the clown last season. If if they were producing what we saw yesterday, Charlie, and and seen in each pretty much each game apart from Shrewsbury, um, there would be you know the gallows would be being set up in a car park, ready to to string them up, wouldn't they? I agree, and um, naive is a term that also appears in what I wrote down um, specifically to do with Harris's assessment of the game because he's he's come out and he said that um, you know we created chances but yeah. we weren't clinical enough, and I'm not entirely sure that's the case. I can only think of a couple of instances at the very best where their goalkeeper actually had something to do. And, um, you know, to say I have nothing but respect for Harris is an understatement and I'm desperate for him to succeed. But that assessment of the game feels a little bit, I don't know, naive and, and it, deluded to me. It's Holloway-esque, unfortunately, and it's a, that's a harsh, yeah. harsh assessment because, like us all, every, who doesn't want Neil Harris to succeed? Who doesn't want Neil Harris to be the next Eddie Howe, Charlie? We, we, this is what we want. Um, he's been chucked into the deep end. I mean, we produced some decent performances on, on adrenaline only, I think, at the end of last season. But this season, it's it, uh, we're being found out and we have been found out by basic sides on, on occasion and it don't feel right at the moment. It's, it's really difficult for me because I think we all need to be aware of the fact that this is a genuine possibility when you appoint someone who lacks experience. Yep. But as you say, when you get basic things wrong, that is alarming. And um, a few of us were talking yesterday and other people I know have mentioned it. It would have been nice if Harris had been able to accumulate some sort of experience elsewhere because all new managers are going to make mistakes, going to have things to learn. And it just seems a bit of a shame that that is going to be an inevitability of his reign here. It's a, it's a very stiff learning curve. I mean, it, it's probably the one arena in in the country where... Only Neil Harris could survive for as long as he has so far, on based on what we've seen so on the on the performances to date, without any any real flat coming his way. Um, I know that if Holloway had still been in charge, there, there would have been you know a right outside. So um, it, it's the naivety of of playing a long ball style without the players to to play that style. I mean, that's we were hitting Route One basically in the first half. And as I admire Steve Morrison, Charlie, but he's not a he's no um Adebayo Akin Fenma ready to muscle his way up for the big long balls and get up there and make it happen. He's he's a he's a more skillful player than that and we're we're wasting an attribute by just hitting it long at him all the time. No, definitely. I think uh, it's it's a really simple thing of me to say, but in football you have to adapt your tactics to the players you've got and not the other way round. And I think this is at the heart of the matter, really. Yeah, I mean, we're giving the ball away. Sides are keeping the ball. We can't get it off. And Coventry did it to us. Barnsley, to an extent, did it to us. And yesterday, as you rightly pointed out, Chesterfield have done it to us. Chesterfield, you know, these are small-town teams. I know it, we, we mustn't get too up ourselves because we're in the same bracket now, but um, we, we're making them look like um, on, on a level that they, they shouldn't be. I mean, you look at other results, other weeks, and these aren't great sides. 
but it's the fact that they're coming to our home turf and doing it as well. And yeah. I said yesterday, I think the mob in the walking football advert would probably beat us home at this rate. <laughs> We well, yeah, we, we we look physically small. I, I, I've got real issues about our defence. I, I'm interested to see what you you thought of us defensively. Um, I think hard again to say it, but Tony Craig is looking um, a, a pale imitation of the man that we we sent away all those years ago, and we thought we were going to get back. He, he doesn't seem to be totally switched on at the moment to me. Very odd, because although I wasn't amazed by the business we did in the summer, I actually thought that was a really good signing and that it'd be vitally important if we were going to do anything this year, and, and it's just not been on show at the moment. Um, I thought Cummins was particularly poor yesterday, and that's another thing where I actually thought we were signing a decent player, and there's just been no evidence of it since he's arrived. That's, that's one of the most damning things I've heard, actually, because, I mean, Cummings, for me, has never never actually done any, any good at all for him to be particularly poor, Charlie. If it, what, 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 new, what new level of poorness is he, is he mining here? How far down is he going? <laughs> I think positionally <laughs> yesterday he looked um, he looked abysmal. Um, part of me doesn't realise, doesn't know whether that's because he's been instructed to move centrally all the time, but it, it was leaving so much free space for Chesterfield on the left that they were just going down that route at every option. I mean, the news at Den report yesterday said that he was given instructions in the second half to get further forwards, and to a degree up at Scunthorpe he got himself further forwards and didn't look so bad as an attacking fullback. I think as a defensive fullback, which is primarily his job, isn't it? Um I I, I just can't see I can't see it brings anything that Alan Dunn wouldn't have brought or or somebody like that that at least gives you some physical presence where it counts. Um I, I, I yesterday I, I thought he was um I thought you're right, particularly poor is probably the best expression. Um central defence I I, I Sad to say, I just think Sid Nelson looks a little bit lightweight up against some of these, you know, strong players that we're, we're coming up against. Was it um, Ebanks? Ebanks Blake yesterday, wasn't it for Chesterfield? Quite, quite a large bloke as well. Um, Fast. He looked, yeah, he looked very mismatched against him. Uh, Nelson is learning. I, I still think he'll be a fairly important player for us in the future. But centre backs uh, really thrive on, on the chemistry they have with the person playing next to them and I didn't really see any of that with Beavers No, I mean I, I, no, I mean Beavers I, I generally like Mark Beavers I, I do wonder listening to the um, Lions Live show interview with Andy Amber in a week I mean Beavers is not looking beyond the end of the season was the expression which <clears throat> tells me he wants to get back up the M1 back up north so you know you, you, you start to wonder how committed to the calls Mark Beavers can be when, at the end of the season, he's looking to go back back home. Um, and that's not good for the, the kind of bonding that you're talking about there, Charlie. Well, I, I said after the Coventry game, we've released 18 players this summer and I'm still not entirely sure that all the malicious personalities or the disinterested ones have gone from the club. And, and this definitely contributes to, to what's happening at the moment. Yeah, very true, very true. Um Tony Craig, we've, we've mentioned already in defence. I, I just think we look so fragile defensively, whether that's to do with the three-man midfield and the fact that teams are pouring down the flanks at us, I, I don't know. But we, we look like mean vases, don't we? You know, ready to shatter at any moment or as soon as anyone attacks us with any direction or pace. I, I've got to say that the last five minutes yesterday were almost comical in our... Um mismatched we were really uh, Chesterfield were just knocking it about at their own leisure they didn't even need to take it into the corner I couldn't really believe what I was seeing and I even turned around to the people at the time and said this will finish 2-0 we looked that defeated already <clears throat> we were mentally defeated uh, you know when the when you get the number of minutes to go uh, the five minutes I, I, I think I said on my live piece well <clears throat> five minutes we've still got a chance here get the ball get it forwards we were actually looking a little bit more energetic going forwards. Um, but could we get the football? No, we no, we fucking well couldn't. They they did a professional job on us. They looked like the pros. We looked like the non-league side having our big day out and we couldn't get near it. Oh, precisely. There was definitely a sense as well that Chesterfield were quite happy to absorb a bit of pressure in that second half. So as much as we talk about improvement in the performance, which, OK, there was you did feel like that was part of their game plan to let them come at us because they were confident defending in the box and the two chances we had really demonstrate that. What do you think of this monkey on the back um, idea that's going around that we can't play at our own ground at, at the den, uh, the, the pressure of the 
fans is so intense and the sniping, which, I mean, we, we heard yesterday, half-time and full-time is so bad that it, it's destroying the confidence of our prima, prima donnas that can't perform in, 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 in an environment like that. The thing for me is that it's a two-way street. So if the players don't come out and start particularly well, they're not going to get people up and ready for it. And uh, that then has an effect. I think um, Navar side is entirely blameless in it, but the players have got to remember that there is a real onus on them to give people a reason to make a bit of noise and get a bit of atmosphere going because we just haven't seen enough down there recently. No, I mean, the, the official attendance yesterday, I'm just looking at the report here, the official attendance, our stress official, 8,374. Now, there was actually a fairly decent turnout on the Chesterfield end. A few coaches went past as I was standing outside, and that would include the kind of phantom season ticket holders that appear, that are always included whether they actually go or not. I, I thought it was much lower than that. I, I, I would have thought about 7,000 or so in, in the ground yesterday. Um if you think you saw a low gate yesterday, wait until Tuesday, mate. Yeah, well, Tuesday I'm, I'm predicting a three-figure turnout because I, I, I was toying the idea of going for a laugh, but I'm not sure it's going to be all that much of a laugh, you know. <coughs> um, I, I think it's going to be a very low low show on, on Tuesday night. Johnston's paint trophy for any listeners that wonder what we're talking about. Um, no, it, it's it, it's very hard to um, escape the idea, and I've seen one or two people on Twitter and on the, on the message boards posting that we're in free fall at the moment. It does feel a little bit like free fall, Charlie, doesn't it? Like we're we're on a we haven't reached yet the bottom of the slope yet. And this is it really. I I felt as if I wasn't being knee jerk when I started worrying about the long term yesterday and, and that's the first time I felt that way in a while. Everything that's happened to us in recent months has been utterly deserved and, and quite predictable. Yeah. But now I'm starting to wonder just how far down we can go because if we're just relinquishing this sort of power to teams that play us at home, whether it's Chesterfield, uh, Barnet, Barnsley, the second tier Portuguese side, who knows what's going to happen. Well, I mean, League Two is what potentially could happen. I mean, we're, we're you know, I know it's very, very early days, but the league table is, is rarely lies in the end, and we are a couple of places above the bottom four, but I would put us in the bottom four from what I've seen of the of the games this season. I, I don't think we deserve to be anywhere else other than in that bottom four bracket. Whether that can be turned around or not I had, is the $64,000 question. Um, I'm not getting any sense at the moment that the Harrison-Livermore duo has the has the ammunition in you know to, to say, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. The only time we looked good yesterday was when we slightly turned it into a, an old-school giant killing cup tie and actually got the ball up and at them like we were playing a bigger side. And I keep coming back to the idea it's Chesterfield that we were up against yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's very worrying. I, I think they will be given more time. I think <coughs> I think the appointment kind of suits Berylson in that respect, that he can say, no matter how bad it gets, that these are inexperienced fellas and they've got to be given the opportunity. But, you know what, I think I look back to Rhino's reign and I've seen that this idea of someone being given a lot more time because they're a legend is a bit of a fallacy. I think if it carries on at this rate, people will get very aggravated and uh, unfortunately they, they could turn. Yeah, I mean, people vote with their feet. I think they'll vote with their feet in the Tuesday night match and increasingly they'll vote with their feet with the home games. There's, there's minimal pleasure in it. I mean, you know, you and me were talking yesterday, Charlie, yesterday outside the ground and, you know, you do wonder what the fuck you're doing there. Um, it, it feels like um, a, a strange masochistic duty that you, some some aspect of your personality says you've got to show up there every fortnight because you're a Millwall fan. But honestly, it's after the number of years we've had of this kind of stuff, it's harder and harder each time to make a turnout, isn't it? I do sort of feel sorry for the older generations. I mean, myself, I never really got to experience Millwall as, as being the greatest home side in the country, but it must be particularly painful for people who were down there in the Benny Fenton days. Yeah, I mean, we, we have been in worse situations, believe it or not. Um, I'm, I'm old enough to remember worse situations than this, just, but it is starting to become just increasingly because um, we're not seeing the we're not seeing the signs that um, the management of the club generally, and I include, um, you know, the, the kind of senior figures in the club, and also on the playing side, have the imagination to take the steps that's going to set us on, the, on a path making a comeback. Because at the moment, we do seem to be 
driving helter-skelter towards a brick wall at the end of the M1, don't we? 90 mile an hour. It's, it's deeply concerning. The only sort of light I can see at the end of the tunnel is that the away form is salvageable. Um, we, yeah. I don't believe we've got a game next Saturday because of the uh, fixture change. International, international, isn't it? Um, so, next league game up at Crow, we'll see what happens there. And then if we can get some sort of result, you've just got to look at that as a foundation to build upon. I mean, the only mitigation I can think from yesterday is that, and the only thing that Harris could throw back is that at the moment he's still not fielding his first choice defence. I mean, I'm going to guess that would include Joe Martin, who'd be signed from uh, Southend. We've yet to see. I don't know if he's any good or not. I don't. I don't know anything about the player, but he kind of lurks out there as the as the, the second coming, doesn't he? Joe Martin might come back at some point. Carlos Edwards may make his um, first appearance in a Mill shirt. Uh, in a year on on the, in the Johnston's paint on Tuesday night, and they would be welcome to come back if he can acquire anything like the form, you know, that he he left us with. Then that would be a massive, um, you know, uh, return. And I guess you'd, you'd, Harris would probably choose Tony Craig and Sid Nelson in central defence. So it'd be Martin Craig, Nelson, and Edwards as a, as a first choice defence. Whether that look any more or less shaky, I don't know. Um, Edwards was fantastic the last time he was playing for us. I do worry whether we've rushed him back out of panic. But um, there is also a chance, as you say, that he'll be unable to capture that sort of form because when you get a long-term injury at the age of 35, 36, that's game over for most footballers. For the most, yeah. I mean, I, I always have a picture of the Mill medical room being like the, the opening scenes of Frankenstein where they're trying to harness the power of lightning to come down and re, you know put life back into the into the dead body. Um, but yeah. I think we'd have done better off if we could off a white back yesterday as well. It'd be quicker. <laughs> I'm going to drag you through the team ratings. I've started up this, this cursed um, marks out of 10 business for the team. Um, so we're going to finish our little piece on on the marks out of ten, Charlie. Um, Jordan Archer in goal, I gave him a six out of ten. I didn't think he had much chance with um, either of the two goals. I couldn't fault him otherwise. He made a couple of good saves. I felt yesterday. He seemed like the only player in the team who <coughs> was a bit assured. Yeah, you know, a bit confident. He, as you say, you can't really give him anything higher because he didn't have much to do. But um, solid again, and it is the one positive that I can think of because. I don't know about you, but I think Ford had to go. Really, he's he's gone. He's got he's he's mentally gone. Like Lee Gregory seems to have mentally gone wherever they've gone to. I don't know, but um, they they're, they're not there, are they? They're not they're not with us in 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 spirit, if if only physically. Um, Cummings, I gave him a generous five. I don't know if you'd back that. You you were a little bit harsh on him earlier on in when we were talking. Yeah, I mean it's one of those performances where you do feel bad about criticising or, or picking out individuals for a lot more criticism because they were all poor to an extent yesterday. Yeah. Five is not really what he should be looking at getting when he's playing at home anyway. So no. yeah, I think that's just. Well I've gone for fives also for, for Mark Beavers and, and Sid Nelson. I I think that Nelson is up against it week in, week out when he's coming up against these um strong, fast players that we're we're meeting each week now it seems. Um, he's a youngster, and you're right. He does. He's still learning his trade, so I won't come down too hard on him. Um, Beavers didn't do brilliantly yesterday. Didn't do too badly for me. Um, so I gave him a, both of them five. So I don't know what, how you'd see that. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, can't really. I think the back four as a unit have a lot to answer for. So you know, again, individual criticism is is slightly difficult there. I know I did single out Cummins, but yeah, as a unit, they just didn't do it, did they? No, I mean, as an individual criticism, I've marked the lowest of the group as Tony Craig. Um, and I marked him particularly lower because we're expecting better out of him, Charlie. He's the leader, the so-called, the governor uh, of old, and he's not showing that at the moment. And I know he's being played out of position. Left back is was once his position, it no longer is. But um, it just looks, it looks anonymous out there, doesn't he? It's... Strange because the mental aspects of his game don't appear to be there, and that was one of his his greatest attributes. I think his his ability to lead, his ability to sort of instruct everyone else what to do, just not not evident. No, so four for Tony Craig. Um, midfield: Powell, Abdul, Thompson. Those gave him sixes. I, I thought the midfield was okay, such as it can be okay on a, on a day like yesterday. Um, for the most part, they were watching the ball fly over their heads in the first half, so it's difficult to be um, harder or, or to give them any higher than that. I think that's true. I think this is a real damning indictment of Williams and Upson, who, who should be 
really uh, starting to claim in the side at this level and, and should be impressing, I think, based on the reputations that they had when we signed them. Sean Williams, another player who's gone mentally, um, where you know, for whatever reason, he doesn't seem to be interested in, in the club and the fact he didn't feature at all yesterday is a damning indictment, it's a good expression. Um, up front, Anya Dimmer, I gave him a five. I don't, it wasn't his best game, wasn't his worst, but um, maybe we're expecting too much out of a very young player still. He's only, what, 19 years old and we've come to rely on him to a level that is actually quite frightening, Charlie. Um, Absolutely. Wasn't his best yesterday. Um, we've seen him do better and he can do better than that. Fred's uh, still a raw talent and I think that means he's going to have games where he becomes a bit anonymous or he looks a bit lightweight. Yeah. I, I think he is a genuine shining light and that we've got a player there, but as you say, it wasn't the best we've seen, the best showcase we've seen of his ability. He's also coming up against, again, physically bigger, stronger blokes. He's a, he's, he's a youngster, clearly got talent, clearly got touch, but, you know, he is coming up against lumps and um, that will take its toll over a you know, 46-game season. Um, Morrison, I didn't think did too badly. So I gave him a six. I, my others might say that he should be down with a five, but... I, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing with Steve Morrison. I thought he he worked worked hard just without any great joy. I actually think he put in a decent shift. I don't think he got enough service. I think he looked a lot better moving into a central role than a wider one, which is not usually the case for him. But I, I think that was needs must because Gregory looked so out of it in the first half. I'm moving on to Gregory. I mean, I've given him a three out of ten because I thought he was absolute pony in that first half. He wasn't. He wasn't really there, was he? He was like the man who wasn't there. Um, I don't know what's occurred, whether he's mentally switched off, who knows, but <clears throat> he's got no place in that side at the moment. And I can't believe that Aidan O'Brien, who I give a 7-2 for his replacement at half-time, will not start the next... Um, it'll be the away game, I suppose, at um, Port Vale. If we don't, if Harris doesn't start Aidan O'Brien in place of Lee Gregg in next game, then Neil Harris doesn't have any place managing in football. Because the... Con- the contrast was so dramatic, Charlie, when he did come I in. I think you're right. Yeah, I think he actually brought the best out of a lot of other people when he came on. Changed the whole dynamic of the performance, even though it still wasn't quite up to scratch. But it just gave us an injection of pace and width that we didn't have. And you're right, he needs to be starting. And there's even a possibility that Marcus needs to be getting in the team now because he's turned down an opportunity at another club to stay here. And uh, you feel he'd, he'd, he'd probably be warranted to be a bit aggrieved at the moment. There it is. There's, there's, there's the quote to close your piece out on, Charlie. Such is the desperation of our player that it's time for John Marquis to start. <laughs> there it is. It's the John Marquis moment. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> really appreciate your time, Charlie. Sunday morning, well, mate. mate. Fantastic well. stuff. Thanks for having me. Great to have you back. We'll talk again soon. It's hoping happier circumstances. Great to have Thanks you back, Charlie. Mate. Appreciate Cheers, it. Thank you. Take care. Achtung. Shit, shit, and fucking, fucking shit. Don't know why I fucking bother. Probably fucking love the club. By the way, Nick, great show. Bye. Oh, what can I say, to be honest? It's just shambles. Literally, coming out of that ground today is probably the worst thing I've ever had as a Millwall supporter. I mean, I've been a Millwall supporter all my life. And that performance, second half, was okay. You know, I thought, this is a Millwall side I really want to see on a Saturday afternoon. It wasn't, because we lost. You know, the second goal went went in, I already left the ground to be honest, couldn't be bothered with it anymore Harris needs to sort out Cummins he's not marking He's not marking the wingers, I don't know what to think of it anymore, I don't know I'm always going to come to the, come to the games but it, quite frankly if this is going to be like this till May, I don't know if I can put up with it, last season was okay, you know it was, we got relegated but we, we had quality it doesn't look like we've got quality anymore. You know, it's okay to play the youngsters. Are the youngsters any good? You know, Ben Thompson was amazing. Uh, Fred Onyedimma didn't get anything in in the air. or And when he did have the ball, he, he didn't do anything with it. So, I'm just pissed off, really. So, that's all I've got to say.
I think we should just give up with playing football and focus on Andrew Landler's main aim for Millwall Football Club which was to transform Zorging into a household name. Matt X also has to be said that we need to kick up the fucking ass from the board level down. Don't blame the players when the only factor that has stayed the same with our downfall is the same board. Right, where do I start? Harris, out of his depth. And far too many of the players that I feel are also out of his depth. If Harris is actually the kind of player that I feel has learned from Steve Lomas in Holloway, then I think we have a problem. I absolutely love him as a player, as a manager. I wish he was as good a manager than he was a player. Uh, he's not going to be bringing us the current results that I think we expect. All losses at home in a row in both League and Cup, four losses. Now, I don't ever, ever question the commitment or the passion that the players have, but it just seems to me that either we just let this season be one of just letting it go, having this poor form carry on week in, week out, or we just have to accept that we will be a lower league team for the full table. It's just, we play too narrow. We just chase the ball like a Sunday league team or even like an under 10 team. Not really paying attention to our shape, the organisation of how we're set up in the formation. We don't know how to do like fucking counterattacks. For fuck's sake, another loss at home. We need a defence and we need it now. Tony Craig, not good enough. Cummins, not good enough. Beavers, woefully rubbish. Um, we just need a new defence. Archer was all right today. Craig, um, Nelson was okay today. Jimmy was okay as usual. Um, Morrow tried. Fred tried, but holds on to the ball too much. Needs to pass quicker. Uh, what else can you say? Concentrate on the defence. Get the defence sorted. If you don't lose, you don't lose. That's it. And then we can try scoring some goals, maybe, if we're really lucky. Maybe. <sighs> Bye. Achtung, Mailball. Well, here we are again, listeners. Another Sunday morning nightmare, isn't it? A nightmare. Um, I'm not sure what new things I can add um, other than just a quick review of some of the comment that I've picked up from the message boards, from Twitter and um, from the news at Den. Um, first up, I, I, I saw a post from Tony Towner's Tash on, on the House of Fun, which um, he, he freely admits was written under the influence of alcohol. Um, and we all know that feeling, um, but it caught my eye because he says he fears for us, as in he fears for Millwall, and I, it just struck a chord with myself. Um, he says, in 40 years of following this club, I've never felt that we are so far behind the rest. It's unreal. Now, we've had worse teams and worse managers, and he, he names Peter Anderson, Billy Bonds, Jimmy Nicholl, Colin Lee, David Tuttle, and even Theo Foley caretaker role. There's a little litany of, of poor management there, that's for sure, Tony. Um but what he's saying is, is true, and we kind of alluded to that in, in Charlie and my piece just a few minutes ago, that football has moved on. And now this is a hard um, message for some of us to absorb, and I'm, I'm including myself in this because I have advocated the old school 442 uh, with wide men and get, get it up and under and after him. And that's kind of what I thought we were going to reach here in, in League 3, in League 1 rather, Division 3. Um, but as Tony says, football has moved on. Playing for the badge and giving 100% has been replaced by skill and technique. Um, now, I'm not sure it's been replaced by skill and technique, but I do agree that the the old-fashioned um, Millwall style is starting to look like something from the, the Jurassic era. Um, he says the likes of Burton Albion, fucking Burton Albion, as he puts it, have overtaken us. Watching a struggle against a shit Chesterfield team yesterday, then seeing the likes of Walsall knock it about and score four decent goals against Blackpool on TV's meaning. Um, it will have me seriously thinking that given a few years, we could be playing non-league. Now, I think, unfortunately, Tony's right. Um, from what we're seeing so far this season, 
We've just spoken about it with Charlie. Uh, bottom four is looking a real prospect. League two is beckoning. Um, I, now, that is a hard thing to say, and it feels a little bit hysterical as we're only at the end of August, and September and October are the two critical months that loom ahead. But are we seeing the signs that show that we could dig our way out of this relegation struggle? On occasions yesterday, in the second half particularly, we move the ball about fast. We need to start scoring chances that we are creating. We didn't. We had a couple of um, good opportunities that were saved yesterday, but in terms of tactical nous and um, the naivety that we've spoken of, we're, we're we're coming up short. Now the question arises: Does Neil Harris need um, an older hand to come in and take care of him and hold his hand and tell him about what you're doing in certain situations? Or does that actually mean that Neil Harris himself is not up to the job? But these are the, saying the unsayables, aren't they? There was a protest yesterday, such as it passed a protest, calling for Andy Ambler's head after the game. Um, I'm not going to comment on, on the rights and wrongs of that. Um, Ambler is often identified as the the one constant factor in the, in the in years of decline, the last four to five years of decline. Um, if anyone thinks that we can get away without finan- the financial backing of John Barrelson underpinning our club as one or two have done. I'm looking here at um, uh, Regan75 on Twitter. This lays with An- Ambler and Berylson, and he goes on to say some things that I won't repeat as I can't afford the liable costs. Um, anyone who doesn't think that we can survive without financial uh, strength underpinning us is, is naive. Um, unfortunately, the reality is that we are a small-time club now, and we are losing money hand over fist. Now, how other clubs do it, how Chesterfield are doing it, don't ask me. I... I, I'm not football um, business-minded, so I, I don't know how it works. Um, Ambler, I, 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 I've always found to be um, a pleasant enough person, but whether he is responsible for it is a matter for you, dear listener, to to decide. Um, certainly, John Berylson's money is underpinning us, and if we take that away, well, then we really will be truly fucked. We will be downplaying Portsmouth in League Two, or possibly Welling and Bromley in the National League, because that's that's quite a... That's quite a potential outcome, let's put it that way. A um, few comments from Twitter from yesterday. MFC Liam underscore Liam says it was another shambles of a performance today, yesterday, as I'm recording this, with the result to boot. No creativity, no organisation and no fucking idea, says Liam. Very true. Um, the Black Mill fan says there was a protest for Ambler's head after the game. Minimal, he says. Um, it was heard, it was there. People were gathering in the car park calling for Andy Ambler to be outed. Um for better, for worse, or take your pick. That's your call. Um, MFC Rob describes another pissed-off Saturday night. I'm feel, I feel your pain, Rob. I've got a pissed-off Sunday morning, and I've got the, the, the what sometimes feels like a burden. It's not really a burden. I quite like it, of doing this show um, on a Sunday morning, but it, it does knock the old um, spirit down, I will say that. Um, Tallulah on Earth um, says, we dominated the second half. Fine, he says, fine. Possession is all right if you actually do something with it. We didn't exactly make their keeper work. There was one opportunity, I think, wasn't there, Tallulah? Um, but you're right. You're right. Plenty of chances. Plenty of possession in the second. Better up and under. Plenty of mural. Go and get it. And nothing, unfortunately, to show for it. The story of our lives lately. Um, Mark Litchfield, I'm the Lich, says, I give up. I feel nothing coming out of that place now, the den. He's totally numb to defeat. He is expecting it. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Kate Murray here says, look, we, we look like a team expecting to lose. Same point, similar point. And I had a few conversations selling the magazine after uh, before the game yesterday. As Kate says, a very strange feeling around the place. We're in free fall. Free fall. Uh, big expression, big choice of words. It does feel like free fall. Um, David Harry Webb says, it was clear today for the first time that Gregory, Lee Gregory, his heart is not in it. He's not a world beater, but he usually looks up for it. He didn't look up for it yesterday. He looked totally anonymous. I can't see anywhere for Lee Gregory to go other than the A1M back up to Yorkshire. Um, JJ of CBL says, you can't slate Bomber. You can't learn to be a manager in 15 games. And after the legacy that Ambler, Andy Ambler, the name again, left him. <clears throat> but his squad are pony. And he also goes on to say, more in a chaotic free fall. This all started a year before Kenny Jackett left. 
And we didn't sign Chris Wood. Three, si three seasons in and no sign of a bounce back yet. I bet I've cheered you all up for listening to my show. Um, I apologise to you all for the, the misery show that we have to produce here. We can only reflect what's going on on the pitch. Um, low down on speaking on the news that Dan says he doesn't know what to say about this nonsense anymore. So best, I say, fuck all. There's a good moment to close. Thanks for listening. Listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.